A new study is out that looks at the attitudes towards media in the Middle East and what's being said about censorship, digital privacy, freedom of speech, and cultural preservation. Good morning, I'm Robin Shannon. Today, Dean Everett Dennis joins Fordham Conversations by phone. Previously, Dean Dennis was the chair of the Communication and Media Management Department at Fordham University's Graduate School of Business. Now he serves as Dean and CEO of Northwestern University in Qatar. Dean Dennis is here to discuss the sixth annual Media Use in the Middle East survey. Dean Dennis, thank you so much for being on Fordham Conversations. Robin, thanks for having me back. So, um, Dean Dennis, uh, before we get into the survey, let's talk a little bit about the findings. Tell me mm-hmm. what the goal of the survey was. Well, the survey is really to find out what people are, how people are using the media in the Middle East, media writ large, news and entertainment media, and to also test uh, some of their uh, cultural attitudes, uh, some of their uh, uh, ideas about media, everything from fake news to uh, to privacy and censorship. So we like to have a, a kind of uh, uh, sort of a sense of what's going on in the region so that we can uh, align our programs to uh, be responsive to that. So if we know that uh, television is, is up and radio is down or the other way around or that what social media are being used, uh, that's very helpful uh, for us to know how people are communicating and they're, therefore help us to educate and train our students who are going into these industries and other uh, institutions in the region and elsewhere. So it's a way to kind of help focus uh, the young students at your university just in case, you know, to determine what to go into uh, career-wise. Is that Right. It's the, it's the audience side, uh, really, looking at what's, what's that audience out there looking at and wanting, and uh, it's very helpful to us. And who do you think, uh, outside of the students, will benefit from the information in this latest survey? Well, the survey is published, and we have a website at, at www.mideastmedia.org, uh, and uh, uh, it's it's widely read by uh, by governments, by businesses, by journalists, by uh, all diplomats, all kinds of other people. So we know it has a, a wide um, acceptance, and we also give our data covering the entire Middle East or through seven countries to the World Internet Project, of which we're a part. That's run by the USC Annenberg uh, School for Communication. And so it has a, a, a wide uh, um, uh, a wide berth in the Middle East where it's seen a lot. And uh, it also has worldwide implications because we are able to compare our findings to those of other countries. And usually a few different countries are chosen to represent public opinion on media. Which countries uh, did you use for this latest survey? Do you well, use? we used, uh, of course, uh, Egypt and uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, we used um, uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, uh, Lebanon, uh, Tunisia, the United Arab Emirates, uh, Qatar, uh, and so seven countries, and uh, a way to sort of look at uh, the differences across the region from the from North Africa uh, all the way across to the to the Arabian Gulf. The annual media use in the Middle East survey is it's pretty large. It's over 150 pages. So, what were the different categories that you researched? How were they divided yeah. up? Yes, and I, I should say too, it, it involves 7,000 subjects who are interviewed for this. So, with the exception of one country where it's done by telephone, everything is face-to-face interviews. Well, we look at cultural attitudes that people have uh, about about media and, and what they say about their region. We look at censorship and. Uh, digital privacy. We look at media use by platform, that is, 
television, radio, newspapers, magazines, uh, social media, etc. We do a special uh, close-up on online and social media because it's rather fickle and it changes a bit from year to year. We're also interested in film, uh, both narrative and documentary film, we're interested in television writ large, uh, music and podcasts. Uh, we also take a look at, at games and uh, even at sport media, as well, of course, obviously, uh, the news media. Yeah. So it's pretty wide-ranging. So let's say we start with cultural attitudes, okay? Mm-hmm. So, Dean Dennis, do many in the Middle East self-identify as culturally conservative or culturally progressive? Well, it's uh, it's a conservative region, uh, certainly religiously, and uh, I think in terms of forms of government, etc. So I would say it, it's uh, a very traditional region in many ways. At the same time, it's a region that is yearning to be part of the modern world and uh, plays a role in global uh, economics. So it's a bit confusing, but uh, and, and um, uh, conflated sometimes. But it's a little bit of both. And. Uh, you said, uh, I want to take it back one one question, you said about seven or over 7,000 people were interviewed. Were they also yes. different ages, different... Um, yes. Oh, okay. So you had young people, old people? Which, uh, different ages, gender, race, uh, uh, income levels, uh, uh, and uh, nationals versus uh, citizens versus non-citizens, etc. So it's a, it's a pretty wide uh, uh, effort to and, you know, really represent as best we can the people of the region. And you said they're mostly um, traditionally religious. Uh, what religion? Well, they're, it's a, it's, these are Islamic states, so they're, 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 they are Muslims uh, okay. for the most part. Not entirely. There are other religions. There are multiple religions across the Middle East, and in some cities there are large representations of, of, uh, of other religions. But uh, for the most part, we're talking about a, a Muslim culture. So can I ask what the general idea about uh, morality was when it came to film and TV content from the United States? As a, you know, in, in well, there's always um, uh, suspicion about um, uh, morality, whether the uh, morality in, uh, um, you know, people, for example, think that uh, the TV content from their own region is better for morality than that which comes from Hollywood. Uh, but the notion that Hollywood might be good for morality has actually gone up, that the people can learn all kinds of moral and social lessons from Hollywood programming uh, is something that wouldn't have been even considered a few years ago. Now is is, is up there. So uh, uh, there's 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 greater there's a tremendous interest in media across the region. People are not uh, often stereotyped as somehow being uh, uh, you know very limited. Uh, uh, media fair, but that's really not true. They get a little bit of everything. Satellite television has helped. Uh, the the internet, the iPhone, the small screen, etc., has really made a huge difference. And so, uh, they can get almost everything that one can get in the United States. And they're very big media users, whether it's news and entertainment or sport or whatever. Can you give me an example of a maybe TV show or film that is considered? Um good in in the Middle East and one that's considered bad and why? 
Well, I think they would like uh, programs to the extent that there's an interest, like Law and Order, or some of the um, uh, sort of police, so-called police and, and law shows that uh, deal with crime and, and that sort of thing. I think they feel that's a um, that's one way to uh, uh, to get a sense of uh, the how, how a culture uh, polices itself. That'd be one example. Uh, there's some, uh, you know, family-oriented shows which would be uh, appealing, I think, to people. Because uh, so much of the early programming in the Middle East, and so, so some uh, true, is religious programming, which is more stories than, than say, sermons, although sermons are a part of it, too. So they do like uh, uh, narrative dramas, uh, TV dramas. They like sitcoms. And... Uh, Obviously, they find there's some value in that. Uh, so, Dean Dennis, how popular are films or TV shows from other parts of the world when it comes to the Middle East? Well, they prefer their own content for sure, and uh, uh, but but they're quite popular. People watch, uh, you know, they have Netflix and they have other kinds of uh, of online streaming services, and so they look at the material from the U.S. The Bollywood films are popular. There's a whole Arab media culture itself. The European uh, uh, films come down. I've seen people watching even Nordic noir from from Sweden and Finland, for example. So uh, the, it's out there. Now, in the Middle East, the main language is Arabic. Correct. Uh, so how popular are TV shows that are not in Arabic? Well, a lot of people do uh, speak English, but quite a few shows are, are dubbed uh, or they're with subtitles. So that's not uncommon. For example, Turkish media, Turkish televisions, um, what we call soap operas, uh, telenovelas, are very popular across the Middle East. And most people don't uh, understand Turkish, but they do They do know Arabic, and so it would be, be Arabic subtitles. And when it comes to media, is it more important to preserve cultural tradition or sort of to integrate more with modern society when it comes to what your survey found? Well, people are very adamant about um, both, in a way, but especially preserving and honoring the local culture, being respectful of local traditions, uh, that sort of thing. But at the same time, they're, they're yearning to know more about the rest of the world, and uh, you do that uh, through these other media outlets. And when it comes to the media, what is the consensus about entertainment media? Uh, people love entertainment media. I mean, they they just they flock to it, uh, so they like it a lot. <clears throat> and uh, there's even entertainment media surrounding specific Arab traditions and culture. For example, during the holy month of Ramadan, there's a whole uh, genre of programming that's done just for that period. Very much like the old Christmas programming used to be in the United States, which is less prominent now. But back in the day, there was a lot of that. And in the, in the Middle East, there you'll have dramas about families, family life, about the Prophet Muhammad, about biographical material, that sort of thing, all part of it in a dramatic uh, uh, format. And what did your survey find when it comes to, you know, um, attitudes about entertainment? Do most people in those countries think cultural stereotypes, for example, should be challenged? Yes, they are very uh, aware of cultural stereotypes and uh, are very concerned that uh, uh, they not be stereotyped and they not be taken for uh, for granted or things assumed about them that are really not true. And let's move forward to the topic of media use by platform. Mm-hmm. So what can you tell me about that in your survey? 
Well, as always, um, television is the big star. Uh, people watch an enormous amount of television, even binge watch uh, television. Um, but um, uh, and, and of course, on the in, with regard to the um, the platforms, uh, uh, people are now paying more for online media content, which they weren't doing a few years ago. Uh, people are, uh, you know. Across the whole Arab world, people watch a lot of television, film. They read print materials um, at very high levels. You know, 80, 92 percent, for example, are watching TV, films to get about 87 percent of the population, and and uh, print materials are coming in at about 61, which is higher than uh, than a lot of places in the world. So, if you had to pick one, what's the most popular? Or the most Tele- popular? Television, television, television. But side by side, in a different sort of way, and it's harder to measure, is is the internet, of course, and uh, and social media. People are on social media all the time, and uh, uh, there are many social media platforms in the Middle East. But they also, are, of course, you know, on Instagram and and Facebook and Twitter all the time as well. And uh, um, Facebook has had a kind of de- a decline and in recent years for various reasons, I think. But the others keep coming on. And the reason we do this study every year is in part because social media are so fickle. You know, what's popular one year isn't so popular the next year. It's all very trendy. And so we want to kind of follow that and see, you know, what people are saying and why. And since they have to, you know, get some programming through the Internet, do they have a system where they have to pay for services like like we do in the States? Uh, indeed, yeah. There's there indeed are pl- paid platforms. There's a lot of free material, but there 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 people are paying and they're paying more. And a few years ago, they were really reluctant to pay anything, and now the thought of television is free, and when, and when the cell phone swell, uh, and then now I think there's much on a mobile device and on platform tablets and other. Uh, platforms, they're quite happy to, or at least they're willing to pay. Happy, I'm not so, so sure, but uh, that's becoming a larger and larger uh, business. And which social media platform did you say was, was most um, prominent or popular? Well, it depends on the country to some extent, um, but about um, 88% of people are still using Facebook, um, and um, the, the rates went down in some countries. Uh, uh, that was back in, in 2013. Now it's down to about 50%. And you'll find that um, WhatsApp penetration is very is, is, uh, was high and has gone down a little bit. Uh, Twitter uh, is also plummeted somewhat. Um, the um, uh, but but I think in in general Facebook Messenger is uh, picked up. Um, you know some and Instagram is extremely popular. So. Uh, you know, any and all, but the reason some of them have come up and down is that there are more social media platforms these days, and there's more to choose from. Yeah. Are there any social media sites that are in the Middle East that we don't have here in the States? Oh, yes, there are thousands of them mm. uh, that are um, uh, doing all kinds of hundreds of major companies and thousands of sites that are out there, and people do their own their own things. Some of them are Specialized. Some of them are, you know, general. Some of them are geographic. Some of them are religious. It's, uh, it's, it's quite a mixture of, uh, of activity. It's, a, it's a very busy uh, social media scene in Qatar and in the UAE. The two, the countries in the, in the Arabian Gulf, for example, they have the highest internet penetration in the world at 99%. So 
uh, you can imagine that means that they're looking for all kinds of these are small countries, but they're uh, eager to find all kinds of new content, all kinds of new material and things. And uh, I deal with a lot of students who, of course, know this area very well and have their own ways of doing it. And, and uh, they're always telling me about some site or some uh, new service that I've never heard of before that's, uh, that's active and people are involved with. This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. Today I'm speaking by phone with Dean Everett Dennis. Now he serves as the Dean and CEO of Northwestern University in Qatar. Dean Dennis is here today to discuss a new study that looks at the attitudes towards media in the Middle East. And if we move forward to censorship and digital privacy, Mm -hmm. uh, what do most people in your survey think of online freedom of expression, for example? The issue there is more of uh, uh, there, there's some of the same concern you have in this country with privacy uh, and uh, there's a little bit of worry about uh, identity theft, things like that uh, and how, that, how the material is going to be used. So those are, I think, some of the same concerns uh, that you would have that we'd have in the U.S., frankly. And I'm trying to kind of get a grasp of what is the overall feeling when it comes to uh, censorship and digital privacy, Dean Dennis. Well, it's mixed because uh, some people are, are, if you ask them, they, they and we've had some numbers about this in the study people can look at, uh, they want a certain amount of government regulation and censorship, and they say they want it because of the protection of children or uh, to uh, exclude violence or uh, to stop some kinds of uh, uh, Internet uh, and uh, digital crime. Uh, and so there's that on the one hand. On the other, they... They think they should have, uh, you know, complete uh, freedom to say and do what they want on uh, online, and so it's kind of a mixture. And one time you say, "Well, I really want a bit of censorship. I don't want my kids getting some materials." And uh, and then of course there there's hostility to some countries, and um, there are you know content farms pumping things out, and and a good deal of, um, of fake news that uh, we see from time to time. And so people are are skeptical uh, of, of things, but they often have been more concerned about uh, commercial firms um, imposing not censorship but uh, constraints on the internet and um, causing uh, issues more than they are government, which is interesting. And it's hard to know how they distinguish those because so much of the media in the region is indeed owned by governments. And you said issues. What type of issues, D. Dennis? Well, uh, issues of you know foreign policy, for example, which are very real and in people's face, uh, because the uh, uh, you know there's always the prospect of war. There are multiple wars going on in the region, and so there's there's that. There's a fear of violence, of terrorism, et cetera, and so those kinds of things are are very much in people's mind. Although everybody goes on in a day to day way, and I think doesn't get preoccupied, don't get preoccupied with all of this, but it's still it's still out there. And uh, can I ask that we do just a quick history lesson, and if you can fill me in on what's the overall political and social climate uh, in the Middle East? You touched on wars, but what at, at this point now, what give us a little history lesson? Well, of course, there's um, uh, the, the hot spots in the Middle East have tended to be Iran, Iraq, um, Afghanistan, over a bit further away, the Yemeni war, and others. Um, 
the uh, the power players in the region are really the Saudi Arabians and the Iranians, who are the two biggest countries, and they are very much at odds on on many issues. Then, of course, there's the whole Israeli, the Arab-Israeli conflict, which is all part of this, and the role of the Palestinians and the the conflicts that are going on there. So it's very complicated. On top of that, the uh, for the United States has had a rather mixed record in the region, been involved in the wars, as you know, and particularly in, in Iran and, and uh, Afghanistan. And then there's been a, there've been regular dust-ups uh, with, um, I should say, Iraq and Afghanistan. And um, there have been regular dust-ups with the, uh, the Iranians um, uh, over all kinds of issues, uh, uh, going back to the original deal that was made by President Obama and then that President uh, Trump has withdrawn from, leading to questions of nuclear weaponry that's, that uh, could, could be developed, all kinds of issues like that. So they're all very much uh, here, and uh, and there's great competition between and among the countries. And of course, the, the whole area is dominated by an oil and natural gas culture, of um, as, as part of the, as the economy, very much driven by those uh, forces, although some other things are changing and all of that. Thank you for that, by the way, just to kind of give us an idea of what's going sure. on there. Um, and if we get back into the survey, uh, let's look at news. So here in the U.S., mm-hmm. uh, there has been obviously a growing distrust for the news media. What did your research show when it comes to people's belief about the news media? Well, on the one hand, they... Uh, they rely on the news media heavily, and and uh, they look at a lot of political news items online, and uh, uh, they look very much at uh, um, news from across the region, but mostly relying on that in their own country or international media. Now, there's a lot of concern about fake news, and uh, very, you know, for very good reasons, because stories that are absolutely fabricated on these, some of these content farms and others by different ideological uh, movements uh, in this information war in the region are always being pumped out. So we'll see a story that will be you know, a completely fallacious story about the fall of a government or something else that's really dramatic and, and uh, even bizarre. And, you know, you know instantly, sometimes when you see it, well, you know, this can't be right. Or sometimes you're not sure, and we have to check this out. Is, is there any truth to any of this? But it's a, it's a deliberate attempt to, to spread disinformation. It's certainly a tool in the, uh, in the, in the uh, foreign discourse and uh, be seen in among some countries. And obviously your, um, a big part of what you do is to train journalists. Right. So do you take this at all as a way that they can kind of delve into separating the fake news from the real news? Oh, yeah, very much so. Uh, media literacy is really at the heart of much of our program. Uh, we try to uh, train people in the most rigorous methods of news gathering and presentation so that it follows a, a high international standard. Uh, and uh, uh, and that sometimes works locally and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, uh, some of the media in the region are very sycophantic and uh, only write, you know, sort of positive stories of one ruler sending a birthday card to another or something like that is sort of that level uh, and a lack of investigative reporting and and critical commentary, although that's changing somewhat. But it's not been a region that's been famous for uh, a robust uh, 
critical journalism. There have been exceptions to that in some countries, but that's changing and uh, not fast enough, in my opinion. But it is, and our and our students are going into various positions where they have an influence on what's being written, and uh, we're seeing more and more um, quality work out there, both in uh, in news coverage and in documentaries and even in narrative films that that um, really a part of the kind of work that they produce, both as students and then later in, in job uh, uh, placements. Now, um, at Northwestern University in Cutter, your school is a lot like WFUV's news department here. We both have a goal to educate the next generation of journalists, mm-hmm. um, all your, although yours is done on a much larger scale. Uh, so what are some of the recent successes that, that you, the university has had in Cutter? Well, your your work is much broader and, and reaches more people, I expect. But but um, we have a, we're a small school, and uh, yet over the period of the uh, now eleven years, going into our twelfth year, we've been in operation. We have educated and graduated about three hundred and fifty students. The, the student body is drawing up to getting soon close to four hundred at any one time for a communication school. That's a very respectable number. It's part of a larger enterprise in education city with the other universities from uh, six American universities and two international universities and some others that are all part of this enclave. So our students have just gone off and done wonderful things. They're working in all over the world in media, broadcast, uh, print outlets. They're in ministries of, of various governments. Um, uh, they are involved in health education and in museum work and a whole range of things. We've, this last year, we've done a number of things of special interest. We uh, introduced a media innovation lab, uh, particularly working on uh, augmented and virtual reality, which our students are trained in. And we've had a whole series of international speakers coming in to be part of workshops. We opened for the, uh, a new museum of news and communication called the Media Magilus at Northwestern University in Qatar. Magilus being a word common in the Middle East for gathering place, but it's also kind of a place where you get news and information, and that's a digital museum. In fact, the first exhibition, which opened in May, is on the subject of Arab identities and uh, images in film, looking at the way Arabs have been portrayed all over the world, from um, positive, negative, neutral images that, that make the that that give the Arabs their identity, in effect, collectively across the world in different cultures, and that kind of thing. We run a creative media festival every year. Uh, it's, it's a very active place, and uh, we have endless numbers of international visitors coming, speakers, etc. And so, um, it's it's a you know very busy place. We have an online student publication called the Daily Q and endless numbers of reports and other projects that we're working on at any given time. Recently, Northwestern University of Qatar had one of the largest graduation classes in its history, and you, Dean Dennis, got to introduce a student um, from the inaugural class. So can you tell I me did. what it was like to uh, have, uh, correct me if I have the name wrong, Sarah Abdullah Al-Sahid? Al-Sahid, yes, Al-Sahid. Sarah Al-Sahid, who is a... Uh, absolutely wonderful person. She graduated in our very first class, and and she worked in media enterprises in Qatar. She came to uh, the U.S. as the head of public diplomacy for the Qatar Embassy in Washington, and concurrently has been completing a, a law degree at Columbia. So uh, one of our very successful and, and quite wonderful graduates, and she agreed to come over and be our 
graduating speaker and and uh, uh, first time we've ever had anyone from uh, produced at the school do that and it was it was very exciting and people were very energized by her being there and and uh, by a great time of celebration where we could celebrate the achievements of our school and what we've done over uh, the decade and also to have a time for critical review of things we can improve and change so uh, a very exciting time and for me personally I'm heading into my uh, uh, my sort of um, valedictory year I will have been there 9 years and it's time to to um, return home and so I'm going to be doing that and uh, going on sabbatical at the end of my uh, my term in uh, June of late June of uh, 20 uh, 2020 and then after that after a sabbatical I will be joining the faculty of the Medill School at Northwestern at, um, uh, at, in Evanston, Illinois, where I'm a member of the faculty, a tenured member, tenured full professor. So you're, you're taking time off from, from, from Cutter, but you're coming home and still I going am. right back to work. I am, absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, Dean Dennis, you feel we touched on all the subjects complete enough? I think you covered it very well, and I think uh, programs like this, uh, Robin, are really great to try to break down stereotypes and to bring understanding. And it doesn't mean that everybody will always agree with everything. You know, people don't think there should be American education in the Middle East. We happen to disagree. But uh, it's, a, it's a, an opportunity to really have a, to build a people-to-people relationship with a region of the world that is largely misunderstood and that has great aspirations of its own. And so uh, to run an American-style institution in the Arab world is, um, you know, both a uh, celebratory thing and a challenge to uh, to make it work, to be respectful of local culture at the same time, to stand uh, strongly by the values that we hold uh, dear in, in terms of truth and freedom and, uh, uh, and uh, independent media. My thanks to Everett Dennis, Dean and CEO of Northwestern University in Cutter. You can like Fordham Conversations on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter or catch up on the shows you've missed with our weekly podcast. For WFUV's Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.